this. This is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. Tyson. When you're going against the odds, you've got to be creative, you've got to innovate, you've got to stand out. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, this guest I met a few years ago while doing some community work, working for the uh, Sula Seattle Urban League, looking for a place to hold an event, and sometimes you meet people with such energy, you say, you know what, I'm going to meet this person at their job, and I'm going to meet them somewhere else because they just got way too much of a positive vibe, um, and that just, you know, this story will let you know that this is how you treat everybody like a king. But today's guest is the co-owner of Conscious Eatery. It is a food restaurant, eatery, that serves food, but for every meal that they serve, they give a meal away. I have the co-owner, Chaz Rowland today. Chaz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Well, Chad, I'm gonna not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play with you. When you had first told me, and I believe it was a Facebook message that you, you know you guys were gonna open up a food truck initially, that yeah. um, with with the twist that it was going to be a you know a business but that you're giving stuff away. But I was like, whoa, I mean, did he not read, like, the capitalism book? Of how <laughs> Before you even open, you're going to give, you know, some food away. Um, that's the plan. Can you tell me about the journey and how you, you know, wanted to open up this business and just what inspired you? Yeah, so um... – Sierra and I really had a troubled past when we were being raised. Our parents struggled with financially and always used um, kind of the uh, the low income uh, programs and services that were provided. And so soon as Sierra and I really got to the point of, you know, we need to start doing this for ourselves. We need to stop. She was consulting. I was managing the restaurant with a, a huge event space. Um, and we were thinking we need to not only give back to the community, but do it for ourselves. And right around that same time, the mayor of Seattle released epidemic funds, funds used for like if we had a tsunami hit the city out of the blue. Um, he used those reserved funds to address some of the homelessness. Um, issues that were really prevalent in the area, and we just charged full bore. It was it, we we knew what we had to do, we knew what we wanted to do, and we had the information from being in the restaurant industry each other for over ten years. So we we knew we could make it happen through this conduit. And you're right, we wanted to be a food truck so bad because we felt like that was the way to connect to the street. That was a more conduit to go straight from food to the person to food to the homeless 
And as we grew and started to put pen and paper, we understood the landscape of the market. And we, so we decided to just uh, test our feet or, or, or dip our feet in the water, so to speak, and um, just opened up as caterers. And I leveraged all of the connections that I met through the restaurant and the event space that I met you at and reached all of to out of all of them and said, Hey, we're, we're going into a catering model. We would love to have you participate in that for your box lunches, for your catered events. Um, and seriously, from that email, we had regular clients already. It was, it was outstanding. So from us turning from a caterer, we moved into the restaurant space within four months because I thought, yeah, there was going to be a little bit of uh, word of mouth that gets spread out there. But I didn't, I didn't understand. I thought there was going to be a lot more of attrition to fall on the fall off rate. Like I thought, you know, I'm going to send out this email, you know, maybe 2% of the emails are going to get responded. And, you know, it was a way higher percentage, and the people that ordered from us initially are still ordering from us three years later today. Wow. Wow. Now, talk about that funding. And, I, and, and the reason why we even do this show is we always are thinking about the person who wants to get into business. And, you know, when you get into business, your family, your friends, your, your wife, whatever, you're not always going to get that support. So can you talk yeah. about that funds and, and, you know, maybe even the ballpark figure on what that was, because was it a community grant that you guys got? And because it, land in Seattle is so expensive just for a studio. I mean, a restaurant, <laughs> exactly. you know, a restaurant, everybody knows or everyone thinks they know, oh, you need at least a million dollars. And I tell people, you may need more than that, depending on where you're yeah. at. So talk about that fund and how, you know, you even found out about that, how you applied for it, and was it enough to keep you going for, and for so, how long yeah. in your plan? Yeah, yeah I um, the funds was obviously, that's always the first challenge to overcome when you're opening a business. Um, it, as we grew into the catering model, it wasn't so financially burdened um, because we were able to buy food only when we got orders in. Um, so for that stage, it was very, it was less burdensome, but it's still, we had to, uh, we were working our second jobs. I actually stopped working at that event space um, and picked up a, like a second job as serving tables at a movie theater, uh, like a high scale movie theater out in Redmond. So like I was all in every dollar we made through whatever we were doing in our free time was getting divested right back to invested right back into the business. Um, and then from there, when we knew that we were in a beautiful commissary kitchen as a caterer and then somebody bought the land right out from underneath the person and we had 60 days to vacate. So us and 20 other food trucks, chefs, caterers, pack lunches, uh, businesses, all, all alike, were all looking for commissary spaces at the same exact time. And that was a time that Sierra and I 
and we had actually at that point in time we had one more partner that we founded the company with and we we had a choice to make there we either could try to find it and pay extra because it was a seller's game at that market because everybody wanted in um or we had to pivot and change how our business really looked and uh, luckily I made some connections through a prior business that I helped open and um, went to the landlord and he had a restaurant space that you see us in today and, and gave it to us for, I mean, it's a reasonable rate. You're right. Seattle's expensive. But to get into that threshold, not only did we lose that partner because it was such a high risk, so it was now down to just Sierra and I. Um, we had to come up with the $13,000 it was just to open the doors, just to have first and last, you know, and, and that was that right there as being a caterer for four months, our revenues weren't even, weren't even $13,000 at that point. So we really, it was, a, it, we were all in at the catering point. So I had no problem going all in for the restaurant point. It was just how we were going to get that 13. And luckily, I stayed well connected with a lot of people. And we actually sourced a short-term loan uh, from a bartender that I was working with at IPIC because all of my well-invested connections didn't see value in the concept. So when you're like, yo, it's crazy that you were giving away food. I heard that on a way more devastating scale because this is where, you know, where I felt like we need this in our community. We're the first in Seattle to do something, a one-for-one -one project, giving to our main epidemic need. Um, so it was huge for me. There was, there was passion behind this project. And when we're going to people that have always said, you know, if your next project comes up, I would love to put it forward or I would love to help you any way I can financially. And people that even had it, um, they, they just didn't pick up the phone anymore or don't, we don't talk to them at all because they, they told us that we were naive and now they're eating crow and don't want to show their face. Uh, so there was one person that I worked as a bartender a couple days a week at um, out of that movie theater slash restaurant place. And he told me way early on that if I did have another investment opportunity, he'd love to, he'd love to do it. He had bought some gold and gold was dropping and he would love to put it somewhere. And without that short term loan from him, we would have never been in the space that we're in right now. So the financial burdens, um, they're, they're most definitely prevalent in those early stages, but it really, it really, um, it really boils down to luck. And sometimes luck is an acronym from just learning under the correct knowledge, you know? Wow. Wow. That's, that's deep. That's deep. And you know, every great idea is going to be told, no, that's a stupid idea or that will never work. And, and I just haven't from, you can look from your story to Amazon to whatever, even little small things that I've done personally that I'm like, I really want on that. And no one else understood that the, yeah. the power yeah. of what we were, were doing. Um, so that, that, that's something for the audience to kind of just take and say, you know, hey, someone said I had a stupid idea and an idea that, I would ne that would never work. 
you were told that. And, you know, that theater, I love that theater that um, you used to work, you used to work yeah. at. But I love the Conscious Eatery giving back. Why was that? I mean, you talked about you and Sierra and no folks. This isn't the singer Sierra, so, you know, it's not like, you know, she had the money either just to throw the money, throw the money down. Um, talk about why that was so important um, to give back to the homeless. So, yeah, Sierra's dad um, suffered from homelessness 10 years ago. It was actually 10 years ago, October. Um, he was homeless, and in October, he was he actually just bought his first house for his whole entire life. My mother, my brother, and I were homeless um, when I was just an infant. Um, my brother remembers it more vividly than I do. Um, but even inside of my adulthood, uh, there's been times where I personally haven't had um, the secured needs and your basic need is food. Uh, so I really, I really wanted, or if we really wanted to give back to those who helped us the most when we were children, like uh, at least we were fed. If, you know, even the lights might not have been on, but at least in most times we were fed because of the food banks or because of the nonprofit businesses out there. So right when we started the business, like the month we started the business, Amazon donated um, an old hotel building that they had bought out from Travel Lodge um, right in the heart of South Lake Union to Mary's Place, who helps uh, reestablish um, women and families back from homelessness and empowers them back um, to regular life. Mary's Place was holding kind of a community forum, and since I was on the board of directors for South Lake Union Chamber of Commerce, I had uh, we had to have one representative there. So it was so in line with what I was going to do anyway, so I was going to be there no matter what. But it helped to wash the hands by giving me the invite. Um, and meeting Marty Hartman, who is, I believe, the president, it, it was it was so fundamental in that moment of how we were going to give back. Because Sierra at that point and I really we we wrestled on how we were going to do it. We wanted to we wanted to just give it out on the street. We wanted to just set up a day and time permitted through the city to have a distribution hour where her and I just hand them out. Um, and where we learned um, from Mary's place is our homelessness problem is so vast that our nonprofits that were built for supporting those homelessness are struggling hardcore where some of them are having to close their doors because it's so financially burdensome to throw away the garbage that they're creating because of the influx of homelessness. So Sierra and I really looked at that and we were like, this needs to be addressed. This needs to be, not only do we need to understand how to better service the homeless and the people that, and the indigent that are trying to do better for themselves in using the correct problem or program rather than 
going out on the streets, which we do at least once a month, just for informational purposes and try to give people um, some right options. But you'll find a lot of the same people uh, on the street. And you'll find that no matter what city you're in, you're going to find a underlying problem of chronic homelessness. Um, and those people, uh, God loves them. They, they really don't have any ambition to be and conform with normal societal rules. So it, it, it hardens my heart a little bit when I have to give services to somebody that really is really taking it for granted. And so Sierra and I were able to understand in that moment, meeting Mary's place and understanding, yeah, we should be helping them out. Because right now they're like imploring volunteers to come cook 45 meals and hoping that people are going to donate or the food bank can support those 45 meals and all of that. We take all of that out of the equation. We make the meals inside of our restaurant with Sierra and I's hands. We make it a full meal. We make it so it lasts three days so they can throw it in the refrigerator and they can have it whenever they want. Like we make it so all of what Roots, Roots helps, um, they're a young adult shelter. So anybody from 18 to 25 and they're right next to the University of Washington, which University of Washington just released that they have somewhere between one in eight and one in 10 um, of their students are homeless, sleeping in their car, sleeping in shelters right now. Um, so it, they, they were having to prepare huge meals every night for them. And when we uh, just randomly called them saying, hey, would you like services from us? It, it was like a godsend to them because they had been struggling how to intermix their staff trying to make those meals, how to have volunteers come in to make those meals. Um, and it, it just needs to be done. And so it, it, for us, that's why we do it is because there is a huge need for it. Our nonprofits out there are struggling hardcore, and it just needs to be done. Wow. And, you know, I, I, people can come to Seattle, and only if you really go downtown or if you're passing the freeway and you're watching will people say, hey, there may be a homeless problem here. But, yeah. you know, in, in a city that, when you get out of Seattle, is heard of, you know, so much money, tech money, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Paul Newman's uh, yacht, the biggest yacht on the lot, right. on the water. Um, yep. a, a, a place even like Mukatio, where I was talking to a church and they're giving so many hundreds of backpacks of food. And, you know, supposedly the average income is 80000 and above. But people are yeah. hungry, uh, so I don't really believe that. Talk about the problem that you're you're seeing, and how how big is it? Because you're right there, boots on the ground. You're seeing it every day, and you're serving that population. Um, is it getting better, or is it only getting worse? And 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 what are you you know any solutions? So uh, you know, it I do believe that it is getting better because not an actual real like oh homeless is subsiding because actually it isn't it's getting better in the sense that we're actually talking about solutions now 
You know, they, it's not, before it was just like, okay, we need to raise taxes or, okay, we need to shift funds. And, but now we're actually getting engaged and having the community participate in processes to really understand the problem and how to fix it. So um, the, one of the really cool projects that are coming up is the block project where they put small shed type houses in the backyards of um, people's homes, people that own their own, home, own their own land and have a backyard that can sustain just these little houses and letting homelessness, um, letting people in a vetted program live there temporarily while they try to transition into real life. Um, you know, that's a huge, a huge step in the right direction, I believe. And now we're starting to get huge conversations in the legislative passage about low-income housing. Um, low-income housing, I think, is our main problem. We had a big real estate boom where, you know, every tech wanted to move into the area and could pay whatever price. The rental price went up, the housing price went up, and it left all the people that work the day-to-day jobs, like the people that stock shelves at Walgreens, even the McDonald's workers and things like that, left them not being able to pay their own rent on a 40-hour-a-week wage. So eventually, not only does that get financially destructive, but that gets mentally destructive. So when I'm seeing people on the ground as I'm passing out meals, a lot of those people are just like me. They're just normal people that invested their time into a job that at the end of it, society moved without the position and they were left behind. So now they have to stop off at the food bank twice a week to get food for their family. Now they have to maybe stay at a shelter over a week in between moving from one place to the other because their finances are so constructed. Yeah, there's a lot I'm seeing that are still bad, but most definitely I'd say there is huge improvement in our Seattle conversation about how we can fix this problem. And we hope that the city sees all your good works because I've sat in the meetings with, you know, the, 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 the some of the top people. I mean, the, the deputy mayor, and I've seen people give their pleas for great ways to house people, just house yeah. people. And, you know, you can kind of read through someone's eyes sometimes, like you're looking at this like a businessman and not that these are people that are, you know, um, not, they're not all drug addicts. They're a, yeah. a lot of them could be your family given, you know, a recession, which I mean, Seattle is going to have some great times, but a recession with all these price hikes and everything and all the money, it's going to come. And a lot of people, unfortunately mm-hmm. will suffer. I've seen it in California and you got too many yep. people from Cali here in Seattle yep. buying up yep. everything they can't afford with credit. Exactly. And when it mm-hmm. yeah, when it dips, it dips. So you know that that is just. It, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing the work and you're doing what you can, and hopefully it does not fall on deaf ears. Um, and and you know I want to make it clear that when you've given over twenty thousand meals away, and these meals aren't just um, you know, 
the scraps. You guys are actually giving your real food. I don't want to say it's not just peanut butter and jelly, but when I eat your peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> that was my that was my test. Because when I saw that on the menu, I said peanut butter and jelly. Well, I gotta try that. Who else has that on their menu? But talk about you know how you decide what to give uh, away. Is it just, yeah. um, you know, yeah, or is there a strategy and say, we're going to give these meals away, but we can't afford to give these meals away? How do you, how do you work that out? So it's uh, kind of a multi-tiered strategy. So one, we divert a lot of waste. Um, so that's, the, that's what any restaurant should and could be doing. So as, as well as we build this program, that's something that we're going to implement to future restaurants about how to divert waste in the correct processes. Um, another one is we, we roast all of our meats in house. We do everything the hard way And the people that get the meals on that buy for them are the same meals that people that we hand out um, and donate to um, the nonprofit. So we, we, we take, extreme care. I just basically ring it in like a catering. Um, so when we make it as a kitchen, it comes out exactly the same as it's heading down to a law firm on the 58th floor of the Columbia Tower. You know, I want people to not feel less than. And that's the biggest portion that Sierra and I really made it's strongly clear when we're talking to nonprofits, they're so used to, you know, getting the scraps, getting like, oh, okay, yeah, the, we'll take um, just your ham sandwiches and peanut butter and jelly. And you're right, our peanut butter jelly is phenomenal. And honestly, weirdly enough, it is one of our most requested items through nonprofits. But that's mainly because we service a lot of nonprofits that mainly service families. So when you have a family and when they want to come in, the parents usually get our roasted turkey sandwich or our classic roast beef sandwich or maybe a beet salad or a spring salad that we put in the refrigerator. But you know what? They like to stock up on those peanut butter and jellies for every single day of their kid's lunch meal. And that's what we're here for. So they don't have to worry about that 30 minutes in the morning while they're trying to get their own day organized to try to put together a lunch because it's too hard. It's sometimes it's just too hard when you're not making the financial freedom. And, and then three, yeah, we, we talk a lot to our nonprofit partners where we're very engaged on what moves, how it's displayed, what, um, what requests they're getting. We, we service one of our biggest nonprofits is we give a hundred meals a week to white center food bank. White Center Food Bank, their main demographic is all is multicultural. They have there's a lot of things that can't have bacon in it or aren't allowed to have beans in it or um, you know they were just celebrating Ramadan. So like a lot of there's a lot of cultural requests that we will entertain and appease. So I, I, there isn't like a standard, oh, you know, we out of those 20,000 meals, we gave 20,000 peanut butter and jellies. It's like, no, it's a lot of, some nonprofits don't want the apple that we give inside of the pack lunch. They'd rather have it be replaced with a water bottle or a cookie or something else. We're totally flexible because again, 
we're only we're only profitable and we're only here for those nonprofits and we, it's our responsibility to make sure that they're serviced correctly. Wow, you might really be up for sainthood, you know, later on because I'd be of <laughs> the school. I'd be of the school. What? You don't want an apple? Hold on. I mean, I tell my own kids that you, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want. Well, I serve like slaves. You got a, a, a chef, a sous chef as a daddy, and you don't want to eat what I eat. You better go eat mm-hmm. an apple then, because there's nothing else. But that is, that's awesome. Um, and you know. Some people may say, hey, he gives a lot of credit to his co-partner, but, you know, that's more than his, you know, business partner. Um, I saw in another interview, you guys fell in love over a business plan. Talk about how that works, because someone who, you know, my wife is about five weeks away from almost being able to do what she wants to do, being done um, (laughs) with, you know, the hardest training program in the world as a resident at UW, um, mm-hmm. which every resident goes through, but shout out to them. But talk about yep. how it is to work with someone that, you know, you are engaged, ready to get um, married to shortly, which is going to even make you more progress and profit in life because women just do that. But talk right. about how that is. And is it all, you know, arguments do they stem over from the business to you know the uh dinner room or how do you guys work that out yeah that's uh yeah that's that's that is our probably our most consistent challenge (laughs) because it sierra and i when we opened up this business we weren't uh we weren't romantically involved it was more well it was more during the business plan, like sitting every day, planning about how we can change the world and plan. Like we fell in love right over those moments. Um, but we've known each other. I, I trained her how to be a server um, almost 12 years ago. So we've known each other for quite some time. And life has just kind of brought us back together, separated us back together. And this time it's, it, makes, it like, makes it feels like it's kismet. But at that we have different experiences. Like she most definitely has spent the majority of her life in, uh, or her um, restaurant life in higher scale restaurants. And I've been all through up the mix, down to the bottom, all the way up to the top. Um, So we have different expectations about processes and different expectations about, um, you know, the finished product. So, yeah, those arguments can get I go I don't want to label them as arguments because they're realistically all just disagreements that we just need to get on the same page. We're just on different pages to begin with. So it just takes some time for us to really understand what really is important. How does that relate to the guest experience? And then it helps us leave um, the business out of our relationship, it, but no matter what, yeah, we'll have. I think there the thing that probably leaks into our relationship the most is the personal stuff, and that's our employees. We get really close to employees. Not only do we get really close to employees, we hired Sierra's little sister and little brother, um, and his best friend, and one of our really good friends. Um, one of her kids 
are very much like family. Um, and so when we have any conversations that pertain to work outside of work, it, it mainly dwells inside of the family, of the employee dynamic of like, how can we get better out of them? How do we, how do we respond to what happened in the day? You know, we're, we're, we're dealing with employees between 18 to 24 years old. So they don't have the same issues we have, you know, they have the different motivations. Um, so I think that's the only thing that I know for a fact that her and I have, uh, have had more heated discussions than not. Other than that, realistically, she, she wins, you know, she's the, she's the wife. So <laughs> happy wife, happy life. I've always known that. And she's done very well for herself inside of her personal life. So I most definitely have always respected her opinion immensely. So I, I, I can't, I can't fault her ever for ever um, stepping in and telling me this should be done a different way because I believe it should be done. And that she does the same respect for me. No, that's, that's awesome. I haven't perfected, you know, how um, it is to work with someone you actually have to work with through life and in, in every aspect. And it only gets more, more complicated. Um, but we, we've created certain systems that where we can just vent and have fun. And so those arguments mm -hmm. actually can become something where, you know, we have an anonymous podcast that we may never promote, but people listen to it and it's so anonymous, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but we, you know, we say what we need to say in that aspect. And, and it's definitely not a difficult thing. I was really hoping, Chaz, that you told me, you know what, we never be one of those like people you see on YouTube <laughs> We never have an argument. No, we never. <laughs> I, she finishes my words. I finish hers. And I, but I'm glad that you're human <laughs> and not a liar. Like so, no, so oh, many. Yeah. It's all real. <laughs> you know, it's all real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, that that's awesome, and it can be done. A lot of people tell me, "How do y'all work together?" Because we work on various businesses together. And it's like, yeah. well, I mean, you just do it. And, you know, I, I truly believe I married somebody who was smarter than me in a lot of aspects. Mm -hmm. And I know she mm -hmm. feels the same because business yeah. wasn't necessarily her thing. So, you know, yeah. keep pushing. If you know you got a good partner, trust, trust that. Um, what is the plan? to franchise the conscious eatery where you can have multiple ones in cities and states and even, you know, countries. Is is there a plan for that? Can it be done? Are you guys just a unicorn that, you know, the only one that can do it? Yeah, so we that is most definitely a plan. We want to help as many people as possible. Uh, so this flagship store, I guess you would call it, is going to be more of setting down the process and setting down um, the building blocks. So the next one, it doesn't, we don't make as many mistakes when we open up number two. Um, I think we're really thinking the second location is going to be in um, like Bellevue, east side. So it's still in the Seattle, Washington corridor. And then from there, we're just going to target markets that are really I'm feeling it like San Francisco's and 
uh, a lot of California cities, some Texas cities, um, even talked about like doing some, like Miami's having a problem with um, homelessness and stuff right now. So there's a lot of things that, uh, and also actually Arizona, <clears throat> they're having uh, a little bit of an issue as well in that Sierra's um, birth state. So we do want to pay homage to uh, what is needed. We we don't want to just go for the money because uh, I don't think that our brand is going to be able to survive in um, in non hurt areas. You know, I want I want to be able to make a great impact into those areas and then also serve us as an example. And what we also do is we're a great avenue for um, volunteers and things like that. So like they come in, they get their name on a list and they can also become a volunteer at nonprofit. So I, I all of those little reasons, I want to make sure that we're in the right space to service the community, right? But soon as we get this guy up and running where Sierra and I aren't making all of everything and we have a little bit more of regularities and people and managing positions, yeah, we're we're gonna go full steam ahead and get um, a couple more than a couple of these guys out here, and hopefully be a household name soon enough. And is it possible with your plan now, if someone's listening and says, you know what, I'd love to open one of those in my city, you know, what numbers could I be looking at? You know, they you might have said, hey, we needed to put 13000 down, and they heard, oh, all I need is 13000 Hey, I got, you know, 113000 Let me Let me tie that away. Um, yeah, you know, talk about what that looks like for, for those who may hear this and say, you know, I, I would like to have one of those. What would it take to create another one even in another state? Uh, yeah, so... I I don't think that many other opportunities are going to come up as lucky as ours. So that 13,000 was just literally first and it was a turnkey restaurant. It had all the equipment that I needed except for two fryers which they let me sell so I can buy an oven. So it was I got in a very lucky situation. So any listeners out there, I don't think that um that can be replicated on a business plan uh and executed on. I think a more comprehensible number of what we're looking at for number two is going to be probably right around the $175,000 to $250,000 build-out model. We we really like the size of the restaurant that we're in right now. We're we're at about 2,200 square feet, a little bit over, um, and then we're actually going to blow out the wall to give us double uh, the amount of seating space for the restaurant. So uh, we're going to jump up to a little over 3,000 square feet here in the next couple, in the next year. I think that's the perfect size. Not only is it a really, a lot of people can come in and eat for lunch, um, but we can host events after hours. Uh, so yeah, I would say probably like 175 to 250, but you know, revenues in our little small location without um, without the huge marketing. We've never put a dollar into marketing except for maybe a hundred bucks in Facebook ads. We've been lucky enough to be featured at a lot of different news outlets um, for free, but again, no money behind that as well. Um, 
our revenues are still above 700. So, and we're, we want to be projected for next year above uh, a million dollars in sales. That's, that's where we feel we can really make um, a huge change, not only in the community uh, for businesses, but be taken seriously from other restaurants that have been established for a while to change their internal program. And I think once you get there, I mean, Shark Tank is a calling, you know, whether they would find this business big enough to scale, but it's something that is, you know, it's amazing to hear. And I say that as someone who's gone to businesses and governments and said, hey, check this out. You want to know how we mm-hmm. funded parties in college? We went to the Walmarts and whatnot and said, what are you going to throw out? Put it all in a mm-hmm. box for us. I'll buy it all. And we would pay, you know, we'd feed celebrities and their whole entourage. Why can't we do that on a bigger level, giving, you know, a tax break and giving them immunity from, you know, being sued off this food. And, you know, folks have every reason why that food has to go in the trash rather than go in someone's stomach. And you're like, am I living in the twilight zone? Is this black mirror? Am I weird? Am I, you know, what's going on where we can't, do this and you know there's been small pilot programs um because i'm talking about something that we, we, we've talked about for 15 years and there's been pilot programs in little cities but you know big business and government man they they don't want to feed everybody i sometimes say um so i, yeah. I like that idea and i think you know whether it be a shark tank we just had a, a someone cedric cobb who um just won on shark tank um on yeah. the show And, you know, I I just think there is, it's such a great spot, even for publicity. I could see y'all on there saying, this is what we do. And, you know, at least that's great PR. But also, I can see this, you know, if you guys do a, whether it be a vlog, a blog, whatever it is, to let people know, you know, our margins look like this. And if your margins are better than ours, you can do what we're doing too. Because yeah. there's even, you know, homelessness. We lived in Lubbock, Texas. And unlike Seattle, when Lubbock people started putting tents where everyone could see, they said, oh, no, no, no. You have to go into the bush. You cannot be anywhere. You're not going to tarnish our city's image like this because we're all great Christians who love the people. So they just mm-hmm. moved them to um, the outskirts where, you know, everyone couldn't see, but um, you need to see that. Kids need to see that. When you say you don't want to do your homework or you you say, hey, I'm going to be an Instagram star my whole life. No, 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 no. There was, you know, there's people (laughs) gone from Instagram stardom. We've represented them to, you know, struggling situations. Don't think you Mm -hmm. are above that. So I, you know, I can't wait to see more of the progression and keep me posted because even internationally, there's folks who could do what you're doing if they wanted to. Um, and, you know, I guess they'd have to see you maybe in the private plane or the the, the, the Bentley or Aston Martin and say, oh, you can give away the food and feed them and I can still keep my toys. <laughs> right? You know, it just yeah, doesn't get I, I don't, to a lot of people. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah, because the numbers, and, the, you know, it's hard just to do a business, and the numbers are just, it's like, how do you do that? So it's, uh, 
It's amazing that you do do it. I want everybody to go to the consciouseatery.org, check it out, you know, see everything they have going on. But I, and this is, you know, I want you to get out anything you, I may have missed, but Tyson, the co-host, one of the co-hosts, he would say, what is your give back? And you're already giving so much back, but I'm going to ask the question on his behalf. Is there another yep. give back that you are doing or that you'd want to do? Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like that we should be doing employment training. Um, we're a quick service model and in restaurant industry, that is an, an emerging uh, model. It's probably one of the quickest emerging models since fast food hit the market. Um, people don't care about getting waited on anymore. They just want to go up to a corner, grab their food and live about their life however they want. Um, that that lower level employee um, that it takes to run those businesses are are one being either treated very unfairly by the system or being not trained in so that that position cannot be sustained. I think that there's a huge huge benefit to taking people that are um, losing their jobs uh, from dying industries and trades and then struggling to look for something else in their life, I think there's a huge opportunity for them to start anew inside of the quick service restaurant model like ours. You know, like Even food trucks and things like that fall into that same category. Uh, just because now since um, quick service restaurants are so like us, like where they're um, quality ran and it's not just uh, open a bag and put on a plate and charge you for it type of mentality. Like chefs are running these smaller spots instead of huge $2 million restaurants. Um, that could be a, I have the hardest time finding employees. It's, it's one of our biggest challenges as uh, when we want to grow, we've, we've hired and fired four different manager positions in the past year and a half. We've hired and fired um, multiple different prep cook positions um, in the past year. Uh, so it, it's very hard to find people that have an expectation that lines up with a job. So what I would want to do is train people straight out the gate. Um, and give them an opportunity to work inside of this business. Not only they can go from dishwasher to prep cook to line cook to cashier, um, and then maybe even if they're still interested, I can even train them on management tools. Um, and then they can leverage that and take that anywhere. They can take that uh, right now. McDonald's is hiring their general managers at $40,000 a year. If I was able to give somebody a certified training program to get them the knowledge they needed to get there um, in two to three months, like I feel I, I would feel whole by giving somebody a, a runway. Like, yeah, come learn off of me. Come, come get the basics of how to whip up a vinaigrette. Come learn what temperatures certain meats need to be stored or cooked at. Come, come taste what good food is. So wherever you leave after here, 
you have a tool bag of things that you know that you didn't know three months ago, and you can bring that to other businesses just like mine that are struggling to find good quality employees. I feel like that's the only give back or one of the biggest give backs that I feel like we can need to implement. That's a great question. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a great answer and a great business. And Chaz, I, I thank you. Um, off Offline, I'm going to um, talk to you about some some other, you know, possibilities of just, yep. um, you know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, press with, with clients of ours that need to hear this and, you know, have influence. So we're definitely going to stay in contact. You know, you can always hit me up as well. You know, it. and so with, with that, appreciate it. Hope you guys got the game today and you enjoyed the conversation. Make sure you check out the consciouseatery.org all the information, you know, social media, email, phone number, and most importantly, the address and the order online button. When you come visit Seattle or if you're living in Seattle, check them out. You will be satisfied. You guys know I eat a lot, 200 pounds. You know I eat a lot, and I am going to continue to try his peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I was I was kind of shocked. I mean, it's the best bread in town. <laughs> so um, <laughs> and everything. So appreciate you, brother, and we will. Um, I'll holler at you shortly. Thank you. So I think this is a good place to stop our dialogue for this episode and allow you, the listeners, to join the conversation and keep the dialogue going with us online. You can do so by visiting our social media at Facebook, Diversified Game Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter, Game Diversified, online, diversifiedgame.com. In your life with the people around you and or join our Patreon and get some nice perks for being involved. If you found a nugget and or like today's episode, you might as well leave a review. And if you leave a review, you might as well share it. If you share it, you might as well subscribe. And as always, thanks for your support. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and A.L., the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifygame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.